All right, let's begin with a prayer. I'm going to turn this light on. All right, so we're grateful, we're thankful, so grateful, so thankful that the love of God shines in our hearts and in our minds for all eternity, that we are eternally blessed, one with each other, one with the infinite, we are grateful. Grateful to come together and partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self for the purpose of healing, expansion, clarity, freedom, joy, prosperity. The all good of God surrounds us, enfolds us, and expresses itself in us, as us. We're receptive to the all good. We share the benefits with everyone. We come together to be a healing presence, to be more our true selves, and to recognize the Christ in our brothers and sisters. In gratitude, we recognize the Christ within ourselves. This is a healing dialogue, a divine dialogue. And in gratitude, we allow it to fully express and be. And so it is. Amen. <coughs> amen, amen. <coughs> I don't know what happened. Something just... Kind of um, like an allergic reaction to something. So, Lori, do we have any announcements we can start with? Well, I sent out the email so that everybody could vote on a new day and time, or we could keep this same day and time. And I'm starting the one-on-ones this week. I'll be talking to you, Rieko, tomorrow. And, um, yeah. Also, we were looking to see if anybody would be interested in, um, would you call it moderating, Jennifer? Yeah. Facebook pages for the classes and just... um, what we're looking for is for people that would be interested in reading the um, things that people are sharing on the Facebook pages and liking them, maybe commenting or asking questions, making people feel like they're, they're heard and part of the community. For me, it's about also introducing yourself as a spiritual counselor. I'm one of the spiritual counselors in the certification program and uh, introducing yourself as the moderator that you're doing that. And uh, <clears throat> I think from time to time, you know, maybe once a week, you can post in there about uh, the, the opportunity to do sessions with the counselors and how to access that information. If anybody has questions, they can ask you as the moderator of that group. Um, And, you know, maybe once or twice a week, if you're 
uh, feeling moved, you could say to someone who might be posting something that, um, I thought I turned it off, I turned it on. <laughs> um, that you could say something like, and I do this from time to time too, I'll say that's a perfect thing to talk about with one of the spiritual counselors. And so um, to raise awareness about the spiritual counselors and also to serve as an administrative function. So it's the kind of thing that you could easily do three times a week. You do it more often if you like. It depends on the, the group. And um, you could start conversations. I, I think it's a great way to learn about what people are talking about, caring about in spiritual circles. And uh, yeah, so I don't think it's, it's, to me it's the kind of thing that would maybe take 20 minutes a week. Could be far less, you know, it depends on how fast you type and how active the group is. Another aspect to it would be to do things like, and we, we could do a little training about it too. If Sometimes people will post in there, their only purpose in being in the group is to advertise what they're doing. And um, depending on how they advertise, it could be maybe something to say, uh, but to say that's not what this group is about. Like there's a, a Facebook group that we started a few years ago for the Stop Playing Small series of classes I did uh, with Alan Cohen and Patricia Cotarobles and others. And um, in there, I think it's far more accepted that people hey, I'm not playing small anymore if they were going to promote something in there. Um, but in other groups, it's a little less appropriate. So, But that's, that's a different discussion. So if this is something that you feel like you'd like to take on as a volunteer, uh, we can guide you and direct you on that. Another thought is to, you know, some of the groups are, uh, we've got Masterful Living groups going back to, I think, 2012, class of 2012. So there's not really any conversation in those groups, those older groups. However, you could start one. You could start one. You could see about starting one, and it could be a way to just heighten awareness about the spiritual counselors and might bring benefit so some thoughts and i will just say that helping out more with the ministry like i have been i've been getting people see my name and they've been reaching out to me for spiritual counseling more so that's the opportunity that being a moderator of a facebook group would do because people would think oh Sue or Rieko or Emily, I've seen that name before. They're a spiritual counselor too? Wait a minute. Like, I want to get a hold of them because they're always commenting on the page. So it, 
it gives people a sense of familiarity and that allows them to get to know you as well. And um, I know when I'm looking for somebody to talk to or in the past when I have, I've looked for someone. I want to know a little bit about them and their successes. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting how life is when I was at Agape, uh, I volunteered on a project one time and as a result, well, first of all, it changed my life, but uh, my best friend I met on that project and we've been best friends for 22 years now. And my very first counseling client I met volunteering, we both volunteered on that project. And um, when I was active at Agape, people all the time when I was working, volunteering in something, people would say, oh, you're a practitioner? Oh, can I do a session with you? So, uh, um, yeah, it's a way to have more visibility, yeah. The other thing, too, is, for me, this is really critical, valuable. For people to see service being demonstrated in the community. We're, we're working on launching probably in March a community newsletter, which you may remember me talking about that last fall when I did that ministry meeting. And um, so Angela and Carla have taken that on and we'll be inviting the spiritual counselors to contribute as much as they'd like to that. Um, in many different ways, sharing. Um, we, we've got folks like um, uh, Carla writing poems and other people, maybe some of the bloggers, some of the spiritual counselor in training are bloggers. Catherine is an artist. So people have different skills and talents and we can share in the community newsletter and so being more visible as a volunteer and a contributor is really valuable, really valuable. I'm so glad the internet connection is holding. I think yesterday it was rather challenging in part because it was uh, a federal holiday. It was extremely cold outside and everybody was home watching Netflix and playing video games. But I think I'm going to have to go get a light in a minute. Yeah. Any questions about that? All right. Um, I'm, I'm, I've announced the teacher training that I'm doing in March and the retreat I'm doing in March. So John Mundy and I are reprising the how to lead a workshop, how to create and lead a workshop, including my Forgive and Be Free workshop, uh, except we were extending it, making it longer this time because uh, it felt like we ran out of time. People had so many questions that, about certain things that I didn't anticipate. It, it really became clear that people wanted to go much deeper than I anticipated, which was, of course, heavenly. And um, so we're going to do it a couple days longer this time and then go right into the healing retreat with Lisa and John and Corinne and myself. 
And um, so, of course, we have payment plans and all of that for all those events. And uh, if you have questions about the teacher training, Lori would be a good person to ask, and so would Emily, because they were both there. Yeah, as was Connie and um, Carla, and I'm not sure who else from the Elizabeth. program. Elizabeth, of course. Yeah. So. I think Kevin was there for the oh. first part, but he was leaving. He took the writer's part. Yes, he took the writer's part. And then I'm not sure who came to the last little bit, if anyone knew came to the last little bit. Right. Yeah, the last one was speaking. Elizabeth and Carla were at that one. Who's got a question about counseling? Any other kind of a question? Sue. To um, register for the uh, class, you know, the, uh, um, the first one that you were doing, the training. How, to, how to put a workshop. And um, I clicked on enroll and it wasn't working. Oh, gosh. Well, that's less than good. <laughs> all right i will uh I'll, I'll look into that we'll find out what's happening there thanks for telling me i'm just gonna real quick click on it and see if it works It's working for me. I'll try again. Okay. We may have been updating it in that minute or something. <sighs> What's going on, people? What are the challenges, breakthroughs, Rieko? I have a question, actually, Lori. Um, are you still looking for people to do activation sessions or has everybody been pretty much covered we are still looking for people to do activation sessions um, because part of what we created now was this year we're doing pre-activation group sessions first mm -hmm. and the intention is that they take that first and then they do activation and we've put three more group sessions into the book in the next two weeks. So yes, um, okay. if you can put dates in through the second or third week of February, that would be awesome. Second and third weeks. Okay. And they're supposed to take the pre-activation group session shortly before their actual activation yes. session, right? And what are the dates for the upcoming pre-activation? Is it one every week or is it I have the dates. They're in the survey. Just give me one second so I can tell you what they are. You can put a link to the survey in the chat, too. Yeah, I will do that. Thank you. My members page. I'm doing that. 
Also, um, yeah, the idea is that people would have the, do the pre-activation group session two to three days before they do their individual. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I found last year was that uh, when I would do one-on-ones with people, I would ask them about their activation session, and there were um, a number of people who said, oh, my God, that was so amazing, so, so good. And then there were also quite a few people who said, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. I said, so what, and I would ask them, so what was the, the primary thing, the challenge that you're working on this year? And they'd say, what? And I'd say, that challenge that you're working on this year, what, what, what is it? The one that you got from doing the activation session? And they'd say, yeah, um, I, hmm, I don't remember. And uh, it could be a function of any number of things, of course. Um, and that, you, you may remember, I usually talk about that in the uh, intensive, that one of the things that I would see happen sometimes with clients is that they would come, they're very bothered by something in their life, and they want to make a change. And so uh, in the session, I would very intentionally help them lead themselves to setting a goal, to making a decision, right? Um, and uh, it's interesting, John Mundy's doing this power of decision class. And uh, in, I think it was in 2017, at the end of the year, if I remember correctly, I did three episodes of my radio show on the power of decision. And which you might find worth listening to. Uh, and that power of decision is extremely important. And one of the things is, is people will set a goal without making a decision. They'll set an intention without making a decision. And so for me, I can really see that one of the most transformative tools that I have is making a decision. And, uh, and I've, I've really used that power of decision in my life. And so uh, usually in the intensive, I talk about, uh, and I think in particular of a client I had that in a sense, it, it happened uh, with, with several different people in, in various different ways, but kind of the way I take it all together and make an amalgam is uh, the client comes and they're distraught. They want to make a difference and a change in their life. So they, through the counseling, come to uh, a clear epiphany of what they must do. Um, and they'll say things like, you know, I'm uh, making a commitment, okay, uh, to to myself to do whatever or not do or whatever it is, and then they come back a month later, something like that, maybe a couple months later, uh, and they 
they're bothered by whatever's going on in their life and that's why they made an appointment. You know, there are always clients, there are clients that will only make an appointment when they're in distress. And then there are clients who will make an appointment when uh, just on a regular basis. They, they understand this is, this is part of my healthy maintenance. It's like brushing my teeth. Uh, I need to do this on a regular basis in order to feel good. I need to have this conversation. I need a, a, a wise one's perspective. I need, uh, uh, or, you know, it's helpful for me. And that's how I am. I realized, oh, this is incredibly helpful for me. And out of my self-love, <clears throat> I started seeing a counselor on a regular basis. And I still do. So um, I did come back and I'd say, um, so what's going on? And they would tell me, uh, well, I might start with, let's say, I remember one time specifically that I said, so how has it been for you living the last couple of months inside that commitment you made last time you were here? I was excited to learn. And my client looked at me and went, commitment? And I said, yeah, remember you made a commitment to yourself when you were here last time? And they're like, what? Trying to remember what it was that they committed to, right? No real commitment. It's just words, right? And um, I said, well, you've got the same journal right there. Why don't you look it up? when you were here last time. So they did and they read it and they went, Oh yeah, I remember now. Yeah. No, I didn't do anything about that. <laughs> like, okay. So what's happening in your life? And then they tell me, they proceed to tell me story after story of how the people in their life broke their commitments to them. See, this is how my clients have taught me so much. Because it was so clear, cause and effect. I break the commitments to myself. They're meaningless to me. The world is going to mirror that back to me. Right? And people, one of the common questions I've had over the years again and again, what does that mean, that mirror, mirroring? What, what does that mean? That's a classic mirroring thing that... I don't honor myself, the world doesn't honor me. I don't value my time, the world doesn't honor my time. And people think that they need to have a conversation with their children about they don't want to be just a babysitter for the grandchildren all the time. They're not just a nanny. And uh, I need you to respect and value my time. And I I'll say to them, yeah, well, until you start to respect your time, that's just a fantasy, you know, because the world is always going to mirror you. So stop trying to change them and change here. It's just classic. I'm going to go get a, a lamp and just turn it on because uh, with the sun shifting, maybe it's going to come around here. I can move. I don't know if this is going to work. <laughs> so, um, Rika, what was your question again? 
Uh, oh, it was about whether um, you were still looking for counselors to do activation sessions. Oh, okay. And Sue, did you know? How did we get onto that topic? Oh, and oh, and then I asked Lori what dates were the pre-activation sessions scheduled, so that I know that dates where people would be looking to schedule an actual activation. Yes. Yeah. So I was talking about how some people, their activation session was deeply healing and transformative and it did, it did activate them and other people, uh, they barely remembered that it happened. And even sometimes I'd say, who did your activation? And they'd say, Oh, um, yeah. So, uh, the idea is this year, if we do the pre-activation sessions, within a couple of days of the activation sessions, they'll be more primed for the actual activation. Now, I've had a couple of days to think about it, to cogitate, to open their hearts and minds to it. You know, because here's the thing. Uh, generally, I'll say that uh, in my experience, that... Um, the biggest obstacle that people have is their own, uh, their own reluctance and resistance, which we could also describe as lack of willingness. Um, it's, it's not that, I, I don't know if I would say unwilling, but just uh, the willingness is not there. The resistance is there. The reluctance is there. And the resistance and the reluctance will come from a couple of different things. It's, it's not always the same. Um, so if you just think of what is your own resistance and reluctance related to, like each one of you, just share one, one thing that you've discerned with all your counseling uh, is the, the sort of root thought belief that is the, uh, the, um, The, the, that is expressed in resistance and reluctance to your own growth in the direction that you wish to go in. Because most people have um, strong resistance and reluctance to the thing that they most desire. Most people do. So, Rieko, you look, yeah, ready to go. <laughs> I was going to say fear of disappointment. Okay, so you would, what, what would the dis disappointment, like what would be the most disappointing thing for you? Like you give it your all, 100%, um, and then either like nothing changes or it doesn't work, and then you will not know what else to do anymore. Right. So that you, will, you, would, you would finally discover that, um, what you feared the most was true, which is that nothing can help you or that you've been abandoned, all those, all those thoughts. Yes. Yeah. So doesn't, hasn't everybody got, had that? Maybe you don't have it anymore, but it's still, yeah. Yeah. That's a very, very, very common one. Yeah. People don't want to try because they don't want to learn that they're, they're just not going to happen for them. They're not good enough. There's something wrong with them. Whatever, whatever. Who's got another one? Lori. Um, 
it it's real close to I'm not good enough or I don't deserve it or I must be being punished because it's not here. So how does that show up as your resistance and your reluctance? Um, in the area of intimate relationship. But why does it show up as resistance and reluctance? Say just a little bit more. You know, um, it's something that I desire and yet it's, it's kind of like I'm going, I want a relationship, I want a relationship, I want a relationship, and I'm like at the same time afraid of fear of intimacy, fear of, um, yeah, fear of intimacy. Is it actually fear of intimacy or is it fear of rejection? Fear of rejection. Because... Um, I mean, I, I've definitely worked with fear of intimacy and uh, not that someone doesn't have fear of intimacy, but what would the intimacy bring that's fearful? Fear of rejection, fear of abandonment. Yeah. For me, it was fear of exposure that people would see just how really not good I was. Maybe they wouldn't reject me, but they would see, ugh, not so good. Yeah, I can relate to that one too. Yeah. And then of course any, any decent person would reject us when they realized we weren't so good. You know, it's like you take a bite, that chocolate looks so good, right? You pick the one out of the box that looks the most delicious to you, and you take a bite out of it, and then you're like, oh, dang, this is crap. <laughs> Shoot, I should have picked a different one. And then you don't want to eat that. You want to spit it out. Oh, it's coconut. Ugh, I eat that. But then what are you going to do? I'm just going to reject it, throw it away. It is, it is like that. It's uh, not good enough. And I did go for it. Um, and what I thought I wanted didn't make me happy. Um, so I felt like I totally failed. And um, why bother? <laughs> so you went for your the thing that you most desired and it turned out that you didn't like it at all. Well, I did. I did and I didn't. I wasn't healed enough, I think, to, um, for it to be enjoyable. Mm. Always up against that, I'm not good enough. Yeah. Yeah, when I was 26 years old, I got my dream job, which I had been uh, yearning for for 11 years, and it turned out that I hated it. I hated my dream job. It was crushing. 
At the time, it was crushing, but actually, in hindsight, of course, it was liberating. Yeah. Because it was time for me to give up that fantasy, which is what that dream job was all about. It was about a fantasy. And as long as we have the fantasy without the experience, um, we can escape into that fantasy like it's a drug and um, we don't have to actually uh, be tested in any way. We don't have to grow or change or be vulnerable. How about you, Emily? I would say I experienced a lot of resistance and, and reluctance when it comes to, or like in the form of trying to figure things out. So I feel very anxious and worried about something until I have like a workable solution in my mind. And then sometimes I think that makes me really resistant to guidance because I'm like, no, I've made up my mind on how I think this should go or how I'd like this to go or what I think is safe to go for versus handing it over to spirit and live my life worry free and peacefully until you're like waiting on the guidance it becomes very clear to me right right yeah and that's a very common that people wait until they can their their ego can see the path is clear and it's going to be perfect in some way. And then that, you know, that doesn't usually happen. So they're just stuck in the resistance and the reluctance, something like that. Yeah, in a, in a way, but I think it's also, um, I'm not sure if this is what you meant, but it's kind of like, It's kind of like my mind immediately wants a solution. And then once I have a solution, I become resistant to hearing anything else. Because then it's almost like a fear of making the wrong decision or being like persuaded into something else and feeling confused. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can say that one of the skills that I've developed uh, by practicing trust and faith and uh, opening up my intuition through the release of the blocks to love, all the judgments and complaints and criticisms and all of that, um, is that I've learned that if I can feel that's the way to go, then um, I can trust going that way even if I don't see how it's ever really going to work. I can just go ahead and leap and the, the net will appear, the path will appear. And, um, and that's been extremely helpful to me. So that's uh, developing that really deep skill of trust really, really um, a great willingness to trust. 
But the thing is, is when we really cultivate our intuition and we are truly interested in being of service and being aligned with the divine, then we do cultivate that ability to be moving from our heart rather than our ego. And um, so for me, when I'm making choices and decisions about the work that I do and the classes and the, the curriculums and all the different gazillion decisions I make constantly, um, uh, I can feel... I, 100% I can feel energetically any difference between it's an ego decision or it's a spirit decision. And uh, so cultivating that ability to, to feel the vibrational difference, right? And, and aren't you uh, all experiencing that more and more and more clearly? And spiritual counseling is a great way to cultivate that skill because you learn um, through uh, you learn through your sitting with a client when to ask what to ask when to share what to share and when to be quiet and all of that you learn that through that listening leaning upon spirit. So it, it, it then uh, serves us in our life. Mm-hmm. We, it's like developing a skill like surfing. You're surfing the energy. And you learn to recognize, let's say, using the surfer analogy, or metaphor that you you uh, learn to recognize the subtleties of the waves and the water uh, in order to know when to get up on your board and surf and when to to not. Cal, mm-hmm. we're having a conversation about. Uh, resistance and reluctance and what is the the what are the different underlying causes of resistance and reluctance from following our heart's desires so I was asking everyone to share uh, one way that they are experiencing their own resistance and reluctance and what's Underneath it, what is the actual thought or belief that's causing the resistance and reluctance? Do you have any anything you'd like to share? Um, hmm, resistance or reluctance to following my heart desires? Yeah, or your guidance. Yeah. Um, well, I would say, yeah, I, that comes up with like, um, like right now I'm getting ready to move over to Oregon from Florida and I'm having to make all these decisions about that. And, um, 
my <coughs> like I'm trying to some of the decisions I'm trying to make are based on fears of uh, money. So like, like trying to do things during this trip, planning for the trip that wouldn't be the best option, but they seem the safest money wise, like like extending the trip and spending more time on the road rather than just getting to Oregon and finding a place to live and um, like trying to rush it, um, trying to rush getting there to save money on hotels and things like that. So, um, I mean, what's behind that is, is um, fear, is fear that I'm not going to be provided for and that something bad is going to happen if I don't make the most frugal decisions in the world. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it's doubt that I will not be taken care of by God, really. Right. Yeah. So that relates to what we were talking about earlier, which is we fear finding out that we're not going to be good enough or loved enough or supported or whatever it might be. Yep, so these are the things that come up all the time in client sessions. Yeah. Anybody have anything else that they'd like to bring up? I've had a cool experience recently. Oh, great. Um. I've always, I've, I wanted to have that experience and understand that experience of how seeing, seeing our client as a divine child of God could completely shift and change, like, the way that they, you know, the experience for them and their own transformation. And um, within the past couple months, I've had a client reach out to me who um, was a little girl I was a nanny to years ago. So like 30 years ago, I was a nanny to this little girl and her name, you know, and so she reached out to me and uh, said, I'd like to do some spiritual counseling. And so I only knew her as this beautiful, bright light child. And so She's coming to me now 30 years later with all of these stories that have been built since then. But all I see in her is, and all I have in her is that memory of her as that child. Oh. So um, as I've been just um, having sessions with her and uh, she's been sharing I've just been seeing the child, and I, and I said that to her the, the first session we had to, 
to her. I said, oh, you're, I said, you know, I will always see you this way. And I described her to her as I saw her. And I've just seen her that way through the, through like the four sessions that we've had together. And um, I've watched as she's, like she said to me that she's coming more into who she used to be. Mm. I've had that experience of, I, I saw someone as this child because literally that's when I knew her. And I was like, oh, that's how powerful it is when we can really see our parents truly as all they are as a divine child of God. Right. So now I'm asking spirit to show me how to, you know, show me how to do that on a regular basis with people that I'm just meeting for the first time, because that's really my intention. Yes. That's beautiful. Yeah. There's no question I used to sometimes just weep right in front of the client, you know, because they would sometimes feel so unworthy of anything good. And, and I would say, oh, if only you could see what I see. And I would just sometimes start to cry and just say, I see the beauty and the perfection that you are. It's so real. It's so clear. And because it's not related to anything they do or don't do. It's not related to their accomplishments. It's not related to how they feel about themselves. Each person's uh, incredible beauty and magnificence, it just has nothing to do with um, their experience in this world. It just doesn't. Yeah. Hmm. Is there something that that you found helps you see somebody or continue to like grow and be able to see that in the people around you? Is there something that helps you do that? You know, it I, yes, it is the elimination of the desire to separate through judgment and you know because that's the whole thing about the ego the ego is always looking for what's different and my my experience of ego and intellect um is very much about um sorting and separating and uh i noticed that very early on in my life as a teenager that I might be having a conversation with friends and, um, and I, I mean, I can't think of a specific instance, but let's just say I would say, like, um, I just would notice things about the person and I'd say, well, Nancy, this or that. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, well, look at... Look at the, didn't you notice what she wrote on the cover of her notebook? Or didn't you notice the socks she was wearing? Or 
didn't you notice when she said this or she said that? It's um, so telling about this or, you know, and just, I, I just found that my life was, my mind was constant, my intellect was constantly looking for information that I could use about people to sort and separate. It was a protective device. So now I can use it for good. <laughs> I can use it as discernment instead of looking for something I could use against someone. Uh, so eliminating the need to judge or attack, but just being able to observe that, okay, this person talks this way, this person has had this experience, this person is holding this bitterness, this person feels insecure or weak or whatever it might be, but not equating any of that to who they are. All of it is like... Uh, clothes that they're wearing that are instantly discardable. You know, you could have two identical twin sisters, let's say, and one of them comes dressed wearing, you know, designer couture clothes and has the uh, ideal body to wear that kind of thing. And then the other sister comes in and their hair is a mess and they're, you know, they, they've got pock marks and dirty skin and they stink and they're wearing tattered clothes, you know, and, and making meaning about all of that. But you could see actually they're both the same. They're both uh, expressions of God's perfect love. And there really is, on a certain level, no difference. No better, no worse. Just circumstantial things. So really training the mind to see that all the, the stuff is not what's real. That what's real is the, the perfection and the beauty of each individual that that is what is real and that's our, to me that is our job as spiritual counselors is to see what's real and not to focus on what's not real so um in in uh the radio show today i was my topic was miracles and true perception and um i was looking at let's see if i can find it here um there. uh in the text there was a particular line let me see if i can just find it here on my computer It's chapter three, section two, and um, paragraph three. And it says, when you lack confidence in what someone will do, you are attesting to your belief 
that he's not in his right mind. This is hardly a miracle-based frame of reference. It also has the disastrous effect of denying the power of the miracle. The miracle perceives everything as it is. If nothing but the truth exists, right-minded seeing cannot see anything but perfection. Um, so perfection is all that there is to see. The innocence is all that there is to see. That's it. There is nothing else. So it's just a willingness. That's all that's required. It really is. It seems actually fantastic, you know, that that could be all that's required. But it is. Just a willingness. And for me, the willingness to see the innocence and the perfection in my clients to help me to see it in myself. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. And being able to see that in our clients is precisely why everybody can have a healing in that moment. You know, we're seeing their perfection, their beauty, their innocence, and that will shift them as it does shift us as well. And that's the miracle right there, the shift in consciousness. And then it demonstrates in form. Like I always tell the story of the client I had that um, had been a hoarder for 15 or more years. Had never had anyone to their home in 15 or more years. One session was all it took. It was a long session, but one session, seeing them correctly, that's totally changed their life. And it changed mine too. That's, that's what we're going for. So... Our willingness, our strong intention to have a miraculous healing experience, not entertaining the idea that it's difficult or hard, because how could it be difficult or hard unless we don't really want it? We just have to be willing. Spirit will do all the stuff that seems difficult or hard. And I always rely upon the prayer. I just know that the prayer is the thing. A little bit further in that section, um, it's you might listen to today's radio show on miracles and true perception. Paragraph six in this section, it says, the way to correct distortions is to withdraw your faith in them 
and invests it in only in what is true. So to that, and that's what people come to us for, for spiritual counseling, to assist them, to walk with them as they withdraw their faith in their perceptions that are false, their beliefs that are false. We're helping them remove their faith in what is false and place their faith rightly in what is true. And I do find it helpful to understand that we don't believe what's true. We know what's true. We believe what's false and we know what's true. That distinction has been very helpful to me. If I believe it, I don't know it. There's a difference. So I'm going for knowing. Sometimes I'm not there. I'm in belief and I freely admit that. Anybody who listens to my radio show knows that sometimes I'll say, this is my belief. I can't say 100% I know it. But if it's false, we can't be in the knowing of it. You know, and that's one of the challenges. I know Well, that's one of the challenging things for me is I can sometimes think, I know I put my keys on the table. Well, I, they're not on the table. So that's not what I know. It's just a belief. I believe I put them on the table, but I put my keys somewhere else. Because if I knew I put them on the table, they would still be on the table. And I mean, that might seem mundane, but people know that, oh, whatever. But sometimes it's not a knowing, it's just a belief. But they're so convicted of it. And why are they convicted of it? Because it matches up with their perspective. You know, I know that's going to be hard for me to do. Well, if you have your total faith in it, it's certainly going to look like it's true. But that doesn't mean there's not another way. It doesn't have to be hard for you. It could be quite easy. In order for it to be easy, you have to be willing to at least believe it could be. So we're working with people's shifting faith from what they believe to a a knowing. So we hold the knowing so they can move towards it. It it, So much of it is about vibration, right? That if you're with someone, and I was talking about this in year one class last week, my experience of being with Venerable and having a shift in my consciousness because I was with the vibration of someone who was already there. You know, and that's the thing that happened all the time around Jesus is people would have amazing, miraculous healing. The blind could see. The woman with the issue of blood, 
And they'd say, thank you for my healing, Jesus. And he'd say, why thank me? Your faith made you whole. And he could have said, and it was your faith that made you sick. Your faith in false beliefs made you sick, and your faith in the truth made you whole. But why think me? You know, see, it's always teaching no codependency here. You have the power of God within you. You know, and that's one of the big distortions of his teachings is you just know that when he said the father and I are one, he didn't say after that, but not you people, just me, you know, but what are you going to do? People edit for their own devices. All right. Anything else before we pray? All right. Kel, if you can stay on for a minute afterwards. Sure. Thank you. All right. Let's take this breath of love and gratitude. So grateful and so thankful that the perfect love, the perfect will of God is ours now and forevermore. It's pre-installed. Our innocence is real. We are truly grateful and truly thankful that our hearts and minds are open to miraculous revelations of truth. We are grateful and thankful to place our faith in spirit. We are grateful and thankful to give up all false beliefs and place them on the altar and to share these benefits with everyone because we're one with them. We call forth miraculous blessings down upon all of our clients and everyone whose lives we touch. We are grateful and thankful to walk the talk and live the love as best we can in each moment. In gratitude, we allow our healing to fully be in gratitude we simply give thanks and say amen 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 oh and um do you still want to keep having that community call at the same time as master living one since right now looks like master living year one is going to be uh at that time on mondays Seven o'clock Eastern, four o'clock Pacific. I mean, it's up to you folks, but you might want to move it. So anybody in the counseling program can go to year one. It's up to you folks. And there was, they could vote on that, on the survey you just sent out. So Great, great, great. All right. Thanks, everybody.